You're listening to Worship Life Radio with Pastor Holland Davis of Calvary Chapel San Clemente on today's edition. Whether you're aware of it or not, you are in the presence of God. God doesn't show up. He's already here. He's with you. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. And then Jesus, the light of the world, the menorah, it says in the scriptures that our minds have been enlightened, illuminated by Jesus himself. And so that is the truth of who I am. My mind now is being illuminated by Christ. My mind is being enlightened by Christ. I have the mind of Christ. Do you ever feel like you're stuck and the help you need is never there? We're inconsistent people living in an inconsistent world. But today, Pastor Holland reminds us that God is the epitome of consistency. In fact, he's so consistent that he's always around. There's no place you can go, no mess that you can get yourself in that Jesus couldn't save you from. And he wouldn't have to arrive because he's already there. Let's live our lives in a way that expresses the confidence we have in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's join Pastor Holland in the book of Exodus chapter 28 as he continues his message on earth as it is in heaven. Well, today we're going to wrap up our series on earth as it is in heaven, looking at the tabernacle as God's pattern for worship. And so in this message, our final message, we're going to look at the garments of the priesthood, specifically the garments of the high priest. And as we've been looking at our scripture in Hebrews chapter 8, it says, uh, Since there are priests who offer gifts according to the law, who serve the copy and shadow of the heavenly things. And so the tabernacle that was on earth uh, is the revelation of God's relationship to man. It's a copy of what the real is in heaven. The real is in heaven. The copy is on earth. The shadow is on earth. As we look at what God's pattern of worship is and what God's description of what God's relationship to man is supposed to be, one of the things we notice is the order of how things are laid out. And we've looked at things in the order. And everything in the scripture is by intention. Nothing is by accident. There is an order to everything. As we look through the order of worship in the book of Exodus, we saw that it begins in the Holy of Holies with God. It begins with God in the Holy of Holies. God is the one who invites us. God is the one who draws us, who calls us to enter into this relationship of love that we express through worship. Now, let me say, we've heard a lot of teaching about calling. You know, what is your calling? Know what your calling is. You know, understand what you're called to do and what you're called to be. And uh, oftentimes they'll quote that scripture out of Ephesians that says, you know, walk worthy of the calling with which you have been called. And usually the emphasis is put on worthy. And it's like, you know, you need to walk worthy, worthy of the calling with which you receive. It's a high calling. It's not a low calling. It's a high calling. And you have to walk worthy of this calling. I mean, you heard it something like that. And the reality of it is, is that the scripture does not say that. It's not what it says at all. When you look at the first word, calling, walk worthy of the calling, what that word literally means in the Greek is it means it's a divine invitation. It's an invitation to relationship. So God sends an invitation to everyone. All y'all come, right? Y'all come. And then it says, with which you were called. That second word called that's used there, it means to call by name. It's a personal invitation. 
And so what Paul is saying is that God has extended a personal invitation to every person here. Every one of us has been invited. He's not going to make you have a relationship with him. You know, he's not going to make you follow him. He's not going to make, he's not going to stand up and say, I'm God, you're not, I'm going to smash you if you don't follow me. He doesn't do that. It's an invitation. He invites you to come have relationship. It's, uh, it's your choice. It's your decision. But he says, if you've received that invitation, then live your life in a way that is consistent with someone who has received that invitation. Which means, live a life full of gratitude and thankfulness to God. Live a life that is full of serving one another and loving one another because of the love that's been extended to you, the forgiveness that's been extended to you. Be forgiving to others because God has forgiven you. That's what he's talking about by walking in a manner that's worthy of the calling. Live in a way that's consistent with someone who has actually had an encounter with God, a face-to-face encounter with God. And so we see that in the tabernacle. God is the one that invites us into the Holy of Holies. He calls us into relationship with Him. As John wrote in 1 John 4.10, And this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. And that word propitiation we've talked about before is an interesting word because it means, when you translate it from the Greek, uh, hilasmos, to the Hebrew, when you get into the Hebrew, it's the word mercy seat. Mercy seat from the tabernacle. And so what Paul is saying is, or John is saying, is that Jesus himself is the real mercy seat. And the Ark of the Covenant is just the shadow, the type. It points the picture. But Jesus is the real mercy seat. And we made that connection at the resurrection of Jesus when the two angels were on the tomb. And there would have been Jesus' body laying on the flat stone, his blood on the flat stone being the mercy seat. And so after God establishes this relationship of love that is based on the, the forgiveness of our sins, based on the sacrifice that he made on the cross, then God establishes fellowship. So first God establishes a relationship with us, and then he now wants to have fellowship. He wants us to be with him. And that is represented by the holy place. So you have the holy of holies, then you have the holy place, the room that's right next to it. And in the holy place is the table of showbread and the menorah. And the holy place reveals our position in Christ, where we live. And this is not a theory. This is not something that we hope is true. This is true. If you have surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, this is true about you, period. doesn't matter what you've done, how good or how bad you are. If you have surrendered your life to Jesus, this is the truth about you that you are a person who lives in the presence of God. Whether you're aware of it or not, you are in the presence of God. God doesn't show up. He's already here. He's with you. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. And then Jesus, the light of the world, the menorah, it says in the scriptures that our minds have been enlightened, illuminated by Jesus himself. And so that is the truth of who I am. My mind now is being illuminated by Christ My mind is being enlightened by Christ. I have the mind of Christ. And I live in the presence of God. That is true. 
That is reality. It's not a theory. It's not a wish. It's not something that you attain to. This is who you are today. Now, if you know that to be true, it will change how you live. It will change what you do. You know, imagine if you're living with your mother-in-law 24-7 and she's two feet away from you all the time. It would change how you live, wouldn't it? You know, or you're living with your mom. It's like you say, mom, turn around, you know, don't look for a few minutes. It's like, no, I'm right here. I'm going to look at you. What are you doing? My, Jap- my mom's Japanese. So it's like, what are you doing? Stop doing that. I have this in my head all my whole life, you know, this voice that says, stop doing that. You're in trouble. <laughs> and so Jesus, our, the presence of God is with us all the time. Then we move to the outer courtyard. And so we go to the Holy of Holies, the holy place, the outer courtyard. And the outer courtyard represents our mission. When we get in the outer courtyard, we see the bronze altar, which represents the forgiveness of sins. We see the, the bronze laver, which is for the washing, the cleansing. And so we're to proclaim our mission. We're to proclaim the forgiveness of sins through the substitutionary death of Jesus on the cross. We're to proclaim the cleansing from the power of sin through the washing of the water of the Spirit and that there is only one way to the Father. That is the mission of every believer. And so today we're going to finish by looking at the garments for the priesthood. And so we're going to look at Exodus chapter 28 and I'm going to begin reading from verse 1. It says, Now take Aharon, your brother, and his sons with him from among the children of Israel, that he may minister to me as priests. Aharon and Aharon's sons, Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar. And you shall make holy garments for Aharon, your brother, for glory and for beauty. So for glory and for beauty. Those words are going to come back to us in a moment. So you shall speak to all who are gifted artisans, whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom, that they may make Aharon's garments, and to consecrate them, that he may minister to me as priest. And these are the garments which they shall make, a breastplate, an ephod, a robe, a skillfully woven tunic, a turban, and a sash. And so they shall make holy garments for Aharon your brother and his sons, that he may minister to me as priests. I love the fact that God speaks to the gifted artisans, that God speaks to those with creativity and gives them the wisdom to create, inspires them to create. And so if you're here and you're, you're a creative person, uh, I remember I told this to an artist and they, they kind of freaked out at me. And I said, when you create out of your mind, when you create out of your imagination, you're actually creating a lower form of art. One of the things that the great masters understood, like Leonardo da Vinci and the ones that created masterpieces that extended throughout the generations, is that they weren't just creating out of their imaginations. They were being inspired by a divine imagination. They were receiving images. They were receiving ideas. They were receiving inspiration from something that went beyond themselves. 
to this divine imagination of God that God gives to those who are artists and artisans and gives them visions and pictures and wisdom on how to create things and how to formulate things. And so if you're a creative person, I would just encourage you to spend time in prayer, spend time in God's word, spend time asking God to inspire you and give you lyrics, give you music, give you pictures, art, inspire your hands, the work of your hands, whether it's engineering or science or whatever it is. God is the one who gives all of that and we can receive it from him. Worship Life Radio with Holland Davis will continue right after this. Hi, this is Holland Davis, and I'm the pastor of Calvary Chapel in San Clemente. And I just want to take a moment and invite you to come and visit us at one of our Sunday morning services or to our midweek Bible study. Calvary Chapel San Clemente is a Jesus people community right here in the city of San Clemente, California. You know, we identify with our roots in the Jesus movement because that's where I came to Christ. And of course, that's where Calvary Chapel was born. When you come to our church, you're going to find a church that loves to worship the Lord with song. We love to study God's word verse by verse. And we love to share the love of God with other people. If that's the kind of church you're looking for, consider visiting us. You can find out all about us online at calvarysancomeni.org. We look forward to worshiping with you soon, and may God richly bless you. Now, let's continue with today's edition of Worship Life Radio. But in Exodus 28, we see two types of priests mentioned. There's Aaron, who is appointed as the high priest, and there are Aaron's sons, who are simply appointed priests, or koanim. And that word koanim means servant. They were servants of God, and that was what they were called to do. And so if you're called to the ministry, if you feel like God is calling me into the ministry, you are called to be a servant. That's what you're called to be. You're called to be the one who serves. And so oftentimes that's, that's what you know, I spend a lot of my time doing. So I'm just serving and helping other people succeed in what they do. You know, and that's what we do as, as ministers of God. And, and, and really, all of us who are believers are serving, ministering in some capacity. And when we're all doing that, when we're serving one another with the gifts and the talents that God has given us, what does it do? It, it lifts all of us up. We all get lifted up. We all get encouraged. We all get blessed in the process of that. But here's the thing. Aaron didn't decide to become the high priest. He didn't just wake up and say, I'm going to be high priest. Aaron didn't decide who would become high priest after him. God is the one who decides. God is the one who selects the high priest, not man. And so the person that would be high priest after Aaron would be his oldest son, the one God put first. God decided the order of his children. God decided who would be first. And they had to come from the lineage of the priesthood to qualify. They were appointed by God. They had to become from the lineage of the priesthood. And so we see in the high priest a shadow or type of Christ, a picture of Jesus. The sons of the high priest are shadows or types of the church. That as believers, as those that are part of the church of Jesus Christ, Peter calls us a royal priesthood. We are a royal priesthood set aside to minister to God, 1 Peter 2.9. 
And so we read about Jesus, our great high priest, in Hebrews chapter 4. Paul reveals this to us. He says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. So he tells us that Jesus, the Son of God, is our great high priest. John, in the book of Revelation, sees Jesus ministering in the midst of the seven lampstands, clothed as a high priest. He's in the holy place ministering in Revelation chapter 1. And so the garments of the priesthood that are worn by Aaron represent the ministry of Jesus to us. How does Jesus see us? How does Jesus minister to us? And the first item that's mentioned is the ephod, the ephod. And in verse 5 it says, They shall take the gold, the blue, the purple, and the scarlet thread, and the fine linen, and they shall make the ephod of gold, blue, purple, and scarlet thread, and fine woven linen artistically worked. Again, God inspiring. He wants artistry out of us. Artistically worked. Now, each of these colors represent something. Gold represents the glory of God, and Jesus is the glory of God to us. John 1, 14 says, we beheld his glory, speaking of Jesus. You know, Jesus is the glory of God. Gold represents the glory of God. Blue represents heaven. That Jesus is a heavenly man, a man from heaven. It tells us in Ephesians 6 that Jesus is in the heavenly realms. You know, seated at the right hand of the Father. Purple represents royalty. That Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, as it says in Revelations chapter 19. That he is the royal, the sovereign one, the king of the universe. Scarlet represents redemption. And Romans 3.24 tells us that redemption came by Jesus. Jesus is our redemption and then fine linen represents righteousness. 1 Corinthians 1.30, it says that Jesus is our righteousness. I'm not righteous. I can't be good enough in my lifetime to be righteous. You know, that's why it's ridiculous when you hear people call people, you know, you're a righteous man, you're a righteous man. They're like, no, I'm not. There's only one who is righteous, Jesus. And if I'm righteous, it's because I'm righteous in him. He's the one that makes me righteous. I can't be righteous on my own. And so when you combine all of these things together, the glory, when you combine the deity, the glory, the kingship, his righteousness, but also redemption, death, you know, redemption through the death of the cross, it gives us a picture of the deity of Jesus and the humanity of Jesus intricately woven together. In the ephod. It's a picture of Jesus who is fully God, fully man, fully divine, fully human, you know, woven together. The glory of the royal king of heaven is demonstrated in the greatest act of love in recorded history. When God became flesh and lived among us and became the payment for our sin that you and I might become the righteousness of God in him. You see, there could be no claiming of the crown without the cross. He could not be the sovereign king of kings without first being 
the Savior. And that is who he is. That's what he came to do. On the shoulders of the ephod were two stones. Etched in each stone were six of the 12 tribes of Israel. And each stone was set in gold. The 12 tribes of Israel were in birth order. They were etched in by the order of their birth. But they were set in gold, which represents what? Glory, right? So the nation of Israel set in glory on the shoulders of the high priest. And the placement of the tribes of Israel on the shoulders of the high priest indicated that the high priest had the authority to represent them before God. Only the high priest could have the authority to do that. No other individual could represent the nation of Israel before God, only the high priest. And so that is what's meant in Isaiah when it says the government is upon his shoulders. It's a picture of Jesus as our great high priest and that he has on his shoulders the names of Israel as a memorial to remind everyone set in glory that he alone has the power to represent them before God. That he alone is sovereign. So, what does that mean for you and I? When the enemy comes in and accuses God, accuses you before God, that guy, he's a sinner. That guy is this. That guy is that. And he can even say the truth about you. He can even say everything that is absolutely true about you to where you have no defense. Jesus steps up and he says, Father, that devil has no right to represent these people. He cannot represent them. I represent them. Do not listen to that. Listen to what I say about them. Do you understand that? Do you understand that the Father does not hear the accusations of the enemy against you? That's like a radical thing. I like that. I would get saved just for that. The second item is the breastplate of judgment. And the word for breastplate in the Hebrew is hosen. And it means beauty. It's the beauty. So it's the beauty of judgment. Think about that. Because what does this represent? First of all, the breastplate was square. It was the size of a hand the span of a hand upon the chest of the high priest. It had 12 precious stones set in gold, representing glory. And that whole thing, the 12 stones were set in glory, but then they were woven into beauty. You see where this is going? This is how God sees you. It was woven with the same materials as the ephod, representing the deity of Jesus, the humanity of Jesus, meaning we're, we're woven into Jesus himself. Each stone representing the tribes of Israel and the colors of the stone corresponding to the colors of the banners for each tribe. You know, Aaron was just an ordinary man, just like you and I. He had an ordinary heart, but when he would put on the breastplate of judgment, God gave him the capacity to enlarge his heart. Thank you for listening today. When I was a young man, Jesus made himself known to me. I was sitting in a Bible study and I heard an audible voice say, Holland, I love you. And those words changed my life. And you know, those words can change your life today as well. You know, Jesus said, 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And today you can begin that eternal everlasting life by praying a simple prayer and mean it with all your heart. Just say, Lord Jesus, I surrender to you. I want to live my life for you. Forgive me for everything I've done to offend you. Forgive me for breaking your law. I want to surrender to you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and give me the power to live for you all the days of my life. And if you've done that, you're born again. You've been listening to Worship Life Radio with Pastor Holland Davis of Calvary Chapel San Clemente. We're so glad you took the time to learn from God's Word today, and we hope you'll tune in next time. Right now, you can hear more messages by visiting our website, calvarysanclemente.org. Just click on Teaching. Feel free to download and share the messages you find there, and we pray they're a blessing to you. We'd love to connect with you on social media, too. You can find us on many platforms by following the links available at our website. And be sure to like our pages and stay up to date with all the latest information. Are you in the San Clemente area? If so, we have a seat waiting for you at Calvary Chapel San Clemente this Sunday. We gather to worship at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m., and we have a Bible study on Thursdays at 6.30 p.m. that you're welcome to be a part of. You can get directions and more information by visiting calvarysanclemente.org. If you're not able to be with us in person right now, that's okay. We're streaming our services live every week on our website, as well as on YouTube and Facebook Live. Just visit our website for all the information you need to connect. One more time, that's calvarysanclemente.org. Is there anything we can be lifting up to the Lord in prayer for you? Please let us know by calling us at 949-228-9117. That's 949-228-9117. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for tuning in to Worship Life Radio. Every one of us is on a journey of grace. God wants you to be free and full of joy. Pastor Holland's message series, A Journey of Grace, will help you discover how to live the abundant life that Jesus promises to give you today. Order your personal copy of A Journey of Grace at worshipliferadio.com.